Well, listener, if you hear a, a faint sizzling sound throughout this track, it's because this is the uh, first Fector Man episode being recorded in the broad light of day, and that would be uh, Lawrence's skin. No, rest assured, I'm uh, I'm sequestered away in a little nook in the corner of my house where no sunlight can gather. <laughs> of course. A coffin, they call that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the acoustics definitely match up with that now that I think about it. It's an enclosed <laughs> enough space where it actually does sound like I'm in a coffin. By the way... Uh, happy Valentine's Day, Lee. Oh, that's right. Very dedicated to this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not just because we had no other plans. What does a Valentine's Day Vector Man remix sound like? I don't know. Why don't we find out? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a few bits of follow-up. Bit of news from last week that I forgot to mention. Uh, a new character for Skullgirls has been brought to the table from the That's mobile version. Right. Annie of the Stars gives me an excuse to maybe play Skullgirls again once I have the time to really dedicate to it. And now that the black tar of guilt can be removed from the action. Mm-hmm. Now that the, the, <laughs> the grim specter of Mike Z has been lifted from that game. Yeah, exactly. Autumn Games and uh, the other studio that they have working on the mobile version, uh, they're porting that over. So good for them. Now, was Annie from the Stars the one? I remember you saying a while ago that there was apparently one character in the planning stage at the time where everything went down earlier for uh, Lab Zero. Was uh, Annie and the Stars that character, or is this something they've come up with in in later days? Uh, If I recall, I think I was talking about Indivisible when I said that. Uh, There was a number of uh, planned characters who were going to be in Indivisible who have since been shit-canned. That's right, there was Skullgirls crossover, that's right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shovel Knight as well, uh, I think. (laughs) Alright, cool. Uh, My other bit of follow-up is that... uh, Quick correction, last week I said that Mel Brooks's Dracula Dead and Loving It is the only film version of Dracula that I have seen. I have since remembered this is not true. I've also seen Werner Herzog's Nosferatu the Vampire with a Y. Nice. I'm trying to I'm trying to articulate the Y in that vampire. Mm, vampire. Yes. Uh, uh, I completely forgot about I was this. Glad. I've I never didn't heard even of that. know that I had seen a Werner Herzog film, but there you go. I guess I'm <laughs> yeah. more cultured than I believed. <laughs> I've seen his volcano documentary. <laughs> I've seen his tweets. <laughs> Very good. How was how was uh, Herzog's vampire? Uh, I the only thing I remember about it is that I watched it thinking it was the original Nosferatu with like Count Orlok mm. and shit, and then being disappointed that it wasn't that because I because that's <laughs> the one I really wanted to see. But otherwise, mm. I mean, it's all right. It's just Dracula, but he's bald. That's it. It seemed yeah. good. There was a nice special effect where he en- you're looking at a mirror and she's uh, doing her makeup in a mirror and he enters the room, the door opens and he walks up behind her and he's not in the mirror and I'm like, ooh, how did they do that back then? That's interesting, but that's about <laughs> it. That's that's the, mo- the most that I can recall. Mm, very cool. I've got some corrections myself. Oh, work away. One is, when I was talking about Dragon Ball C's uh, early 2000s uh, intro that replaced the the, the classic mm-hmm. in the Toonami wing, late night Toonami wing, mm-hmm. uh, I said death metal. I meant new metal. Uh, the worst kind the of metal. The distinction is very important. I mean, as a, as a young boy with burgeoning music taste at the time, uh, 
you know, all, I was already able to tell that new metal was very, very embarrassing. Mm. And uh, whereas death metal, I can take or leave. New metal, I, I can't suffer to be around. So <laughs> it needs, needs to be distinct. The other thing, the other correction is um, it was Snake and Chief Wiggum that got tied up in the gun shop. Not not the other way around. Snake wasn't the kidnapper. He was the kidnappy. Ah. And uh, also that gun shop owner's name is Herman Herman. And, uh, and and now people who have never never heard that man's surname now know it. <laughs> sure hope somebody got fired over that blunder. <laughs> Keep them coming. Keep those Simpsons references coming. They're never going to end. We're going to be making the east till the end of the show. It's going to be on the gravestones. That's good. That's, that's exactly how I planned all my projects to go. Uh, uh, the only other thing I have for follow-up is I made a, a bunch of tweets that I'm proud of and I want people to go see, so I'm going to link them in the show notes. It isn't the tweets it. about the stickers, is it? No, oh, Jesus, no, I'm not proud of that. <laughs> no, Nobody should be proud n- of that. Neither should you that be, was... by the way. <laughs> He's got stickers on the back of his laptop and he took a photo of them and put them on Twitter and they're overlapping. The twi- the stickers are overlapping. I like they're, recoiled they're... upon seeing it. They're all like it's. This is an early stage for the stickers, and uh, they're they're going to overlap a lot more. It's going to be one of those weirdo collages where you can barely make out anything. It's like a wall of color. Ugh. But uh, in early days, it looks especially ugly because uh, now there's like there's still very plainly gray space on the back of the laptop that is not being used, while other stickers disappear behind other stickers. Mm. <laughs> so that looks bad. No, it was uh, the the tweets I'm talking about was the. Uh, uh, a, a further retelling of how uh, Capcom announced uh, what's her name, Lady Dimitrescu, uh-huh. uh, uh, at at E three nineteen ninety six or whatever one it is. I made about three tweets of that, and I thought they were really funny. So uh, I'm going to link them there. I'm going to tell people outwardly those tweets are funny. You should read them. Oh yes, you you clipped the the the. The stinger at the end of our last episode. Yes, okay. I did notice that. I'm like, man, he's proud of that shit. As he should be. That's, that's, good, that's good stuff. Content. <laughs> that's, that's it. But yeah, that's me for follow-up. Uh, you had something else? Yes, uh, one last one. Uh, I finally sat down and uh, looked it over with my solicitor, and I've finally been able to parse your lovely, lovely, love game doc. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well... Uh, thoughts on the, on the Bible. <laughs> uh, have you ever heard of a game called Awkward? Uh, that does ring a bell. Game Grumps did a, an episode where they played it. It's a it's a kind of how well do you know each other game where yes, you're asked a series like a... of questions. And uh, I do remember this. Yes, I was reminded uh, a great deal of that whilst I was reading through this. In fact, I'm pretty sure this uh, the game doc reminded me of it. Like, it had completely mm. vacated my brain until I read this and went, this rings a bell, where do I know this from? And uh, I looked it up and I went, yeah, okay. By the way, uh, is it lovely, lovely loved? Or is it lovely, lovely loving love? Uh, uh, it's been weeks since I've seen the document. Because the, the name <laughs> of the document and the title are different, which uh, I have to say loses you some marks in the, by yeah, the, yeah. my university marking course. That's do- that You're down on the rubric. I wanted to go with lovely, lovely love, but I think Shane was suggesting lovely, loving love, so there's a there's a crossover there somewhere down the line. Mm, <laughs> I, I, did antis- I, did, I had gotten the impression that there was a bit of a committee involved here, but I thought it was you and Maria, your wife, your wife Maria. I hadn't realized that Shane, your brother, your brother, <laughs> shame was also in on the act <laughs> uh yes again this document was a 
a random thought experiment about what now, nearly a month ago. Uh, and, and since we, we've cycled through a couple of other projects, there was an, a newer, more expanded committee, which does have Maria, my wife, my wife Maria in on, in, in on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we cycled through a bunch of ideas for video games. In the recent weeks, uh, we've decided to abandon video games altogether because none of us have the technical prowess or time to get good at that technical prowess to make any of these things. And we've landed on maybe looking at board games for a little while, in which case I would recontextualize this to be a little more fun of a party game if I came back to it. I actually, yes, I did get that impression. I got to the end of it. I was thinking to myself, this seems like it would do well as a board game or a party game of some kind. Hmm. That was the general idea. I wanted it to be like a... Uh, almost a Jackbox game, but with a little bit of a, a progression system to it, some some goals to have. But as you know, I hadn't had time to really figure all that stuff out and see if it would even be fun. And the, now that we've shifted gears, I see it. <laughs> and we're looking at a medium which actually works for fun, stupid questions in a social setting. Uh, it, you know, it's it's not out of the question as and, and maybe makes even more sense uh in in that i I guess i should give the quick synopsis of what the hell this was yeah i was thinking i was like like (laughs) they have no context for this whatsoever we should probably give on the rundown the the synopsis for lovely 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 love was it's a multiplayer game in which you and a second player work together to write and publish relationship advice books and then you climb a sales ladder and become the the most lovingly lovable love gurus the universe has ever known the idea was that you were going to be able to do this through um sort of question and answer sections where you would have to balance the amount of contribution to the book each of you make while also altering and editing the other's answers and there would be a sort of guitar hero score metric by which you can go too high or too low and fail the the writing session uh so it was going to be it was supposed to be like a fun party game but it also had that guitar hero challenge in mind so that Mm -hmm. it actually contextualizes the fun a little bit but uh again i didn't get so far into it that i was going to see how the hell that was going to work out or shake out in terms of playing it but it was a fun little thought experiment uh we should probably stick this in the show notes if you if you don't mind uh the potential embarrassment i mean no not embarrassment but if somebody steals my idea i'll be livid Just uh, put it under, what is it, Commons? Complete Commons? What's Wikipedia under? Oh, yeah, Creative Commons. Creative Commons, there you go. Stick it under the Creative Commons. Nice. Richard Stallman be praised. Is that, uh, is that catch-up? Whatever we call it, follow-up? That's uh, that's follow-up. <laughs> that's, that's catch-up for the first time. <laughs> All right, on to the week. What you been up to this week, Lawrence? Well, first, uh, let me just get it out of the way real quick. Uh, Game Dev Cubbyhole. Play that speedy version. (laughs) Game Dev Cubbyhole. Uh, I was mostly, as I mentioned last week, focusing on UI improvements. Uh, That's right. For instance, whenever you win, it would just say white text, you won. It wouldn't, uh, there was no black background, so in bright backgrounds, it just, you couldn't see anything. Is it too late to get the, uh, what, it's like your winner or something? Remember, uh, what's that? It's like that truck game. You are winner? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, cl- the classic disaster game, big rigs over the road racing. 
Hmm. It has a, a victory screen where it says, you're a winner with an apostrophe, you are, and uh, and a little trophy. Yeah, so I've got the picture here. I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a classic masterpiece, and I, and I would take the opportunity to put that in in your poker game. <laughs> oh, yes, I see you it now. It. Yes, I do recognize, I recognize this. Yeah. <laughs> From the from the infamous GameStop review. Unfortunately, the purpose of this project is to demonstrate my competence, so I'm afraid I can't put any kind of ironic, <laughs> self-depreciating, stylistic suck in this, because I will very likely be marked down for it. You and I handle our uh, IT courses very differently, then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I put a, a text was unwrapping to containers, so it would get cut off at points... So it would be, uh, opponent has chosen to, blank, and it would just get cut off. I put black backgrounds and little black rectangles behind all the text so you can actually read it now. The text all wraps to those containers so there's no overflow or wrap around. Nice. It's all centered on the on the UI properly. Buttons have been resized. They were a little bit too big and it was making it difficult to squeeze things in. Your, the UI now tells you what the value of your hand is. So if you have a pair, it'll say you have a pair. And uh, with an ace kicker. That that's that's very helpful because often without these indicators, <laughs> and as I've seen from playing poker in real life, I'll just flagrantly forget sometimes which hands make hands and uh, not notice that I am working with something pretty good. Previously, what I had was I would just have it pop up in the console below uh, that you have a hand value of two, and I would know that a two was a pair. And like a and a ten was a royal flush or something, but mm. obviously that's not something that the user is going to be able to see. So now it actually tells you, which is good. It's good that it does that. I mm. uh, I resized. Well, I that's not true. I used a perspective trick to make it look like I've resized the cards. I've just made them look closer to the camera. They've cool. I've moved them closer to the camera so you can actually see the details better now. That's good. Uh, including some of the imperfections, uh, that's bad, but whatever, I'll deal with it. I also attempted to add additional music tracks because I, the 50-minute-long Spanish guitar loop that I've put in, I'm not going to say it was wearing thin on me. It's stylistically designed to be inoffensive, so it wasn't. But it's not even, I'm not even parsing it as music anymore. It's just the sound that my app makes when I hit the play button. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, well, it's no better time than the present to start adding additional music in. It accepts MP3s. I had to convert a whole bunch of music. In fact, I have the music list of tracks that I've added to this game that I might send to you. In fact, I'll do that now. Why not? Ah, for the crack. I just. Oh, compile- I see. So rather oh, yeah. than uh, <laughs> giving the uh, lack of commercial viability of the project, you're going straight with the let's just put in some genuinely made music, <laughs> the mm-hmm. uh, copyrighted music. Uh huh. Because this is non-profit and it's for educational purposes, it falls within the UK's fair use policy. Yep, some good choices here. King Crimson, always good to see him. Fleetwood Mac, some gorillas. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Black Magic Woman by Santana. I could see that being a fairy poker song. Running up that hill, I don't really understand. <laughs> it's a, It's just a. I wanted to have a, a sort of laid back but but a cool tone. Uh, uh, I would have la- I would have said running up that hill is a surprisingly intense kind of song given everything else that's on this list. Mm. <laughs> but Sultan's a swing. Now that's a that's a car playing song. Oh, absolutely! Money for nothing and Sultan's for swing like shoe ins. Very easy. <laughs> yeah, loving it. That's a good list. I c- I could play cards to this. There's only one question mark here or there. <laughs> Eventually, I'll work our way in to have them in like a, a playlist. At this point, it's, it's almost like you're buying time to avoid working on this robot. <laughs> no, don't worry. That begins this week. Very I've exciting. Put, I've put it off long enough. 
that's it for Game Dev Cubby Hole. Cool. So allow me to get into the recreational part of my week, the fun bit. Uh, I decided, you know, as a palate cleanser, what I was going to do, I was going to play an actual video game for a change. Does it have vampires in it? <laughs> uh, not as far as I've been able to play, no. I decided to play a game called Offspring Fling. Offspring Fling. I have never heard of this. It's been sitting in my Steam library for a while, and uh, I, I, I thought to myself, I needed something that I can get over with quick and dirty. You know, I needed a, something relatively simple. It's a puzzle platformer. It's a cutesy puzzle platformer where you play as a, a fuzzy, Kirby-esque, yeah. alarmingly fertile woodland creature who has been <laughs> separated from her legion of children, and uh, each each level is you reclaiming her children and uh, throwing them around in order to solve puzzles in order to get to the exit I see. and things like that. Is there something uh, very... Um, you know in Digimon, they have the, the famous rookie ones, the ones that are always on the covers of the games, and then... Mm-hmm. Uh, There's then the one below they, that? That one step back from that, yeah. That's uh, oh. that's pretty much what we're looking at here. Yeah, it's uh, it's just a face with arms and legs and whiskers. Uh, it's very this, cute. Mm. Now, I intended the play this as a sort of relaxing palate cleanser uh, mm. i completed the first level uh i went huh what's that uh, is, is that a timer it gave me a silver medal for time taken during the level and uh there was a little ghost that showed up upon replay at which point i went oh <laughs> this isn't going to be relaxing at all <laughs> mm-hmm. and the game said if you uh, if you beat the gold medal time trial for these levels, you get you unlock the rest of the levels and bonuses on top of that. And I went, Uh-oh. oh dear God! <laughs> so uh, of the one hundred levels, I'm currently seventy in, and I've gotten the gold one for all of them. I noticed that there is a dev time as well, which I guess you could say is platinum, which is this is the best time that the dev could get. And uh-huh. I went, I'll pass on that one, thank you, yeah. because uh, I managed to get about three of them. And I was busting my balls for all of them, so I decided, not worth it. You know, I'm going to have to draw the line here. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know uh, what these things get you other than unlocking levels later on. Apparently, there's 120 levels in this game. I guess the last 20 are time trial, incredibly difficult, like, yeah. precision platforming tough ones. You can you can unlock uh, playing the entire game as Entropy from Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> The game is made by Kyle Pulver, who I didn't look up, but I've been made to understand by online discourse has a Newgrounds pedigree, so that's good. That's always I nice see. to see it. And it's it, does got have, a, it does have the conciseness of a, of a decently fought-out Flash game. Mm-hmm. And it's got music by uh, the late Alec Holoqua, am I pronouncing that name correctly? The guy that did uh, Night in the Woods. And the music in this game is great. It's really good. It really puts you in the mood to relax and then not be relaxed by the, the game mechanics. Because uh, <laughs> precision platforming is the key to time trials, and uh, it can get frustrating at times. You've managed to turn this delightfully charming uh, puzzle platformer into a, uh, a busman's holiday, as usual. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I have a disease. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a good uh, chronicle of that on this show. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I was so sure going into this one. <laughs> it's like, it's too. It's got to be just like Kirby. Kirby's uh-huh. relaxing. There's no stakes in Kirby. No, uh, no. but uh, <laughs> you find Baba as you in Kirby form. <laughs> mm-hmm. But th- that's all right. Uh, I'll, I'll probably have it finished by uh, by I don't know, maybe Monday. Like I'm 70 levels into a 120 level game. It'll be fine. This is exactly the kind of game I would never bother to finish. 
I'm looking at the person playing it, and they're very good. But at some point, I would just be like, nah, you know what? It would take too long to decipher how exactly to do this. I've got places to be. Maybe there's a there's a speedrun of this. That'd be nice. There most likely is. It seems to encourage speedrunning. I'm seeing an all gold, all gold flower run. That's pretty good. That's what I'm doing right now. I've gotten yeah. all the gold flowers so far. But they, nobody's nobody seems to be. They don't seem to be challenging the developer time so much just yet. Well, I mean, I imagine there's no beat the developer time runs at all because all of them are <laughs> exceptionally <can't>. difficult. <laughs> and trying to do a run that's all of them whilst maintaining a speed run would probably be a nightmare. It really takes me back to the speedrunning Mirror's Edge days where if you make a single mistake, you just hit the restart button. Just, uh, no, what's that? You're 10 minutes in? Doesn't matter. You made a mistake. Hit the restart <laughs> button. It needs to be perfect. Very good. Is that your week? No. Anime Cubbyhole. That's right. You knew <laughs> it was always... coming. <laughs> With a, what a red herring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust. Oh, very good. How was that? Uh, so uh, you mentioned last week about how that Vampire Hunter D was making a lot of waves way back when amongst all your, your school buddies. Yes, I might have accidentally and, cut out the line that actually said that, but yes, people at school talked about Vampire Hunter D quite a bit. Well, uh, you speculated at the time that uh, they were most likely talking about the sequel to the movie I watched last week, Vampire yeah, Hunter D. almost certainly. Well, uh, I can now confirm that that was indeed the case because, yo, this fucking movie kicks ass, holy shit! <laughs> So uh, what 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 uh, what what grabbed you? What made the difference? Uh, everything. <laughs> it's just a straight up, just complete improvement in almost every department I can think of. Animation, much much better. Uh, art quality, much much better. Music, much much better. Characterization, much much better. Mm. Action, fucking crazy off the wall. Like you know, people watching this in the. When did this come out? It was probably the 90s, maybe. I, it feels like a 90s movie. It was, yeah, it was like 99 production to 2000 release, something like that. Yeah, people watch this when it comes out going, Whoa, this fucking Japanimation is crazy, dude. This is the future, <laughs> oh my god. And like, yeah, I get it. it. It put me back in that time, in that place, in that era that I wasn't really a part of at the time, but I get it now. This movie's <laughs> fucking kick-ass. I, it kept surprising me. Mm. Like, uh, I'm gonna give you like a quick lowdown, right? Vampire Hunter D, it starts, uh, a vampire in a carriage is going through a town, you know, crosses in the architecture are crumbling as he goes through, dogs are barking and then shying away, he kidnaps a lady, uh, title sequence, next scene, D's entered in some kind of western town with a bunch of cowboys, uh, they say, we don't trust you, but you're the best guy there is, we need you to reclaim this lady, she's been kidnapped by this vampire, he says, I'll do it for twice the price, and they go, fine. <laughs> pretty standard for the western trope they were going for mm -hmm. we've uh we've also hired the marcus brothers which are a, a clan of vampire hunters like six guys like a like a team they're pretty cool he goes that's fine and he leaves we meet the marcus brothers they're in a town that's been overtaken by ghouls they live in a tank like a, a, tra a big apc with like crosses that give off uv light to kill ghouls and things mm -hmm. they all have unique uh weapons and characterizations and character dynamics and you get a short battle sequence where you get to know what their deal is d shows up uh they have a they have a bit of a standoffish moment where one of them fires a bolt at him but he catches it out of the air because he's a cool guy like that he goes in that terse way you the marcus brothers yeah i'm d and then he rides off mysteriously as he is wont to do uh they see that he's competition but you know they think he's pretty cool so that's neat mm-hmm 
all the while this is happening, you're cutting back and forth between D and his uh, sidekick, who is like a parasitic left hand that talks to him. I should have mentioned that last week. That's a weird thing to drop on somebody. <laughs> what an obscure, what a bizarre thing to leave out when it sounds so cool on paper. Mm-hmm. And then you cut back to the Marcus brothers all having their, their banter. Uh, did you ever watch Alien Resurrection? Uh, so long ago that I don't really remember much about it. Do you remember the Mugly crew in that movie? I remember, I've seen clips of it since that remind me of them sometimes. Kind of, the Marcus Brothers and their crew are kind of like them, but good. That okay. was the closest comparison I could think of. It's like, what if these people were likable and had dialogue that made you enjoy the scenes that they were in? <laughs> that would be a plus. He catches up with the vampire kidnapper. Uh, after a battle, after a quick sequence where he manages to sneak into his lair by tricking lasers, by flicking stones in order for the lasers to shoot the stones instead of him. It's very mm. slick. Uh, one of the bounty hunter ladies from the Marcus Brothers catches up with him. Uh, she dodges the lasers just by being really fucking fast and gets hit anyway because she tried to blow up the carriage as it escaped. And the movie turns into this, like, long chase where the vampire and his kidnapped lady are at the front going towards an unknown destination. Vampire Hunter D is chasing them and the Marcus brothers are bringing up the rear. So it becomes a kind of Blues Brothers situation. Sure. Mm -hmm. Him and the vampire have a battle on top of the moving carriage. The vampire drops a hint that maybe the lady is with him of her own volition. Maybe they're actually in love. Vampire Hunter D goes, hmm. (laughs) Intrigued, you say? Mm -hmm. And I glance at the running time for this movie, considering the amount of cool shit that's happened so far. And I notice I'm only 30 minutes in and I'm like, wow. This is a good fucking movie. Holy shit. Nice. Yeah, we've we've already I'm, ran the course of uh, Mad Max Fury Road, and there's still two-thirds to go. <laughs> and boy, two-thirds. That's a whole bunch of two-thirds. I mean, the yeah. amount of world-building they put into it and the nuance. Like, uh, at one point, the vampire guy takes refuge in a village of, like, a community of Castlevania monsters. Mm. Like, there's, like, crab dudes and, like, shadow dudes and, like... Yeah, the bee, the bee cast. <laughs> mm-hmm. D turns up and you know he gets off his horse to speak to the elder and the elder's like mm, you show respect this is very good and he's a kooky character and you're like look at all this fucking characterization and like world building and like politics and nuance and I'm like man I'm glad I watched the fuck the fucking first one because the difference is night and day this is crazy <laughs> Show, shows what uh, 20 odd years of, of anime can, can change hmm I mean, uh, and the fact that the animation quality has gone up means that... I mentioned last week about that D is kind of a flat character, but I can appreciate a protagonist who's all business. Well, uh, now that we have multiple characters, each with their own unique personality and character dynamics and a better animation budget, you can really appreciate the the contrast between D and the other characters Mm. in this. Is he still quite uh, stoic and reserved? He is, but now that you have other characters to see him bounce off of, you get a better idea of him as a person, mm. as opposed to everyone who's just kind of like, eh, I'm a character that serves the plot and nothing else. <laughs> I mean, at one point near the end of the movie, somebody throws a ring down a flight of stairs, and, you know, slow-mo, it bounces off the stairs, it rolls, D places his sword down, he rolls the ring up his sword, and then catches it in his other hand, and you're like, you smooth bastard, you motherfucker, I like pause the movie, they go, "Nice!" (laughs) these people are showing off, this is so fucking cool. (laughs) Oh yes, uh, one other point of comparison with Castlevania, because there's no escaping it, Carmilla is in this movie, and she is leaps and bounds much better than the Carmilla TV show that I so malign. (laughs) 
because she's intimidating and she's cool and she mm. does cool things as opposed to in the Castlevania TV show where she sits around being smug, unwarrantedly smug for two fucking seasons yeah. and then gets her ass kicked. <laughs> That's right. But hey, it's all part of the big scheme. She lies and walks mm-hmm. away. <laughs> and then everyone will believe her for no reason. But anyway, let's not talk about that show. I'm not here to talk about that show. I'm here to talk about this killer fucking movie. God, this movie kicks ass. You should watch it. I mean, it's on on the list. I don't need much pushing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I remember what I was going to say. Uh, the first movie was based on the first book, where your man was still finding his feet. Uh, this right. is based on the, the third novel. I see. So uh, by this point, he's gotten his shit together and is written a more nuanced story where he realized mm, this D guy, you know, not a lot of mileage to his character. So let's make it about all the people in the world around him. Mm. And that seems to have paid off. Very much the uh, Stardust Crusaders to the Phantom Blood. Yes, that's a, that's a good comparison. Uh, we're car- car- carrying on the metaphor from last week. Uh, sounds good. Yes, I was surprised. Like just the entire time, I was sitting with like a my 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 hand, my head resting on my my hand, going, <laughs> man, what a difference! My hand, re- my hand resting in my lap. Uh-huh. <laughs> now I'm just wondering, what what count are we at? Vampire episodes on this show with like back to back. How far right, did so we get? We've had, we've had this episode, last episode. There must have been a break at least. I mean, Obviously. between uh, Vampire: The Masquerade Bloodlines and. The Vampire Hunter D. Episode. I guess we never get a break from the blood-sucking vampires of the AAA game industry. <laughs> I suppose if we if we count metaphorical vampires, then it's never going to end. Yeah, yeah. That was my week. Uh, how was your weekly? <laughs> I do like how you change that, the way you ask that up each week. That's good. Don't expect me to keep it up. I can only do so many of these <laughs> once. Uh, this week, I finished uh, Yakuza Kiwami, as as predicted last week. Ah. No list this week. We're just going to briefly talk about it. I understand that uh, Kiwami 1 and 2 are considered to be uh, the weakest of the bunch. Is that is there, is there truth to that? I don't know, because I've never played anything but Yakuza Kiwami, so I don't really know the comparison. I've heard Excellent. similarly. That, that's good. That means you're starting at the lowest point and working your way up. Mm. The, 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 the brain worms, it works. <laughs> I should add, yes, it was cut from another episode, but the, uh, I originally had the plan to play after this, not Yakuza Kiwami 2, but Yakuza 2, to keep in line with the fact I have played most of the first Yakuza in its original iteration, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, Ended up finishing it in Kiwami, and I was like, oh, I'll go, I'll go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play two. And then two Kiwami. For whatever reason, this is just, just not working out for me. I'm, I'm going to be skipping two and going straight to Kiwami two. Shocker. My, uh, my two, my two, uh, my two plans to do this have massively backfired. The first one was the legitimate route, which was to get a copy of Kiwami two on PS2. Uh, these are going for like a hundred or so pounds. So, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> backup was getting a sweet emulator and uh, stealing the game. Mwahaha. Extra legally, of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stealing it uh, extra legally. You, you say that first. That's the first thing you say, <laughs> that it's extra legal. The whole point of plausible deniability is that you need to maintain it, Lee. <laughs> Just tack it on like an asterisk. I'm stealing this. Asterix. For legal reasons, it's a joke. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> see if I if if I you didn't do it earlier, so I get to get it in there and yeah, so we still yeah, get the tick. I was giving you a break. Uh, the uh, the box checking exercise has been completed. Don't worry. <laughs> this is how we create art. Yeah, this is how running a show works. This is how you make a like a fan base. You gotta have running jokes and then disown them because you don't like the idea of fan base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, for whatever reason, I I couldn't get Yakuza Two running. On, on my PC. Whatever. I, I wasn't trying too hard because I was like, eh, Kwame 2 does exist. It seems absurd to pirate the second game when there's a perfectly good remake of it sitting around. And I did see a trailer for it and it didn't look like it was a lot of fun. And that mm. the, the stuff that they had added and stuff that they had maintained were, 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 were given decent service. I think at the same time, a lot of people, Yakuza 2 is... I believe considered the weakest in the in the main series. I think, uh, like in general, like the original release wasn't super great. It was pretty much just more of the first game, uh, mm. and the second second Kiwami looks like more of the first game and Zero with a whole fucking tar defense game with its own oh, yeah, yeah. interior logic and game design whacked in there that you can lose yourself in for days at a time. And I'm like, all right, uh, it's gonna be hell. It's gonna be really weird getting all the way to four in this series before finally getting to play Zero. Actually, I think it's after five uh, where most of the the threads are connected to the two games I've already played. So I'm both brainworming it up and absolutely ruining the brainworms all at the same time. <laughs> Well, that's the order they came out, so uh, you've got the... So long as there's a single through-line mental ju- mental justification, you're ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, anyway, Yakuza Kiwami, I, I don't know why people think it's all that weak. Maybe they start with Zero, and then play Kiwami, and then realize it's probably not as good as Zero. I do hear that quite a bit. Well, yeah, I imagine for most people... Kiwami is there specifically so that you can go back and play the first couple because you got into it at a later point in the series. Yeah. So if you played Zero, which uh, until 7 came out was considered to be the best one, then yeah, it would be a step down, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's 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 probably what's up. That's probably where all the backlog is. But if, you, if you're doing things the brain worm path, well, I mean, first off, do, you could try to do it the PS2 way. By any means. Maybe. I Honestly, I think the first Yakuza game holds up real damn well. Damn well. And actually makes more sense to play than Kiwami 1 because the uh, Kiwami 1's uh, fighting system is far more based in like later game design. So it's far more in keeping with the later games. So you'll have less to unlearn later. But at the same time, I think the fighting system was really well thought out in the very first Yakuza. Tough but fair. What's what's kind of weird about Kiwami is that one of the fighting styles you have, the dragon style, mm-hmm. or it's basically locked away until you play enough side missions and sort of level it up concurrently with the story. It's a, it's a cool narrative thread because in Kiwami, Kiryu goes to jail for 10 years and he's forgotten how to fight like he used to fight. And you're mm-hmm. like, that's that's a cool idea. But... The style that you unlock was the original style from the very first release. And you kind of don't really know what you're missing until they give it back. And you don't get it back until you've learned how to play the game with every other fighting style. So it kind of feels like it's fan service, but the kind of fan service that doesn't benefit new oncoming fans, weirdly. Is it the uh, is it the best fighting style? In this game, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so it's sort of like an inverse DMC4 situation where you're playing Nero through the whole game. And, you know, that's pretty good, and you're enjoying yourself, and you're having a good time. And then you get the Dante, and you're like, finally, gotta get back the Dante. And you play as him for ten minutes, and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> I, I miss Nero. 
Oh, no. Anyway, yo, about Yakuza Kiwami, I'll say this. The, the one thing I really gained from it that I that I thought was pretty much the best thing you could gain from this is uh, if, if, if Ubisoft Games had had a lead character as strong as Kazuma Kiryu, uh, we wouldn't have time to complain about their factory-packed game design. We'd be too busy having a wonderful mm-hmm. time. I mean, I, I say that I, I meant strength of character, although physically strong wouldn't hurt. Uh, mm. <laughs> Kiryu is just like this amazing bar fantasy. You're the only man in Japan who's seven foot tall, <laughs> intense, yeah. and ripped, <laughs> and smokes like a train, and never can ever die. But he's also he's also one of the good guys. Yeah, he's a criminal, but he's one of the good criminals. Oh yeah, he's he's remarkably respectable. Yes, he, he is the he is the chief enforcer of a major organized crime syndicate. But don't worry, he's a good guy. It's fine. That's it. That's 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 what you really love about it because it's 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 one of the, it's the few games I've ever played where I actually want to do as much of the game as possible, especially these open world games, which I usually lose interest in. Uh, this was the one example of a game where it's like, I just want to do everything because I want to see what it's like when Kazuma Kiryu does something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was not a stray side mission or mini game or random street conversation that isn't worth your time in this uh, because you'll get to see Kiryu do something ridiculous or cool. It's the Batman thing, which is... If you take this incredibly serious character and make him do anything ridiculous, it becomes very, very funny. Uh, like, yeah, uh, I think absolutely. I remember seeing on Twitter that the, the formula that Yakuza uses that never gets old is something to the effect <laughs> of a lady runs out to Kiryu and says, Oh, please, need you? I need your help. Can you help me? And Kiryu goes, Yes, I will help you. And she goes, Can you help me change the nappy of like 50 children? <laughs> and Kiryu goes, Oh, no, I gave my word, which means I have to do it. I guess I will do it. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Uh it's 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 also one of the weirdest like role plays as well because once you're playing that character, you know, usually in these kind of games, side missions come up and there are choices to avoid making stupid mistakes. Like uh somebody's obviously scamming you and mm-hmm. you get the option to pay them or fight them. Mm-hmm. Very frequently in Yakuza, I will take the option that makes the least the most baffling of sense. Like, it's a very clear and obvious scam. Pay the man? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's get let's get Kiryu to pay this guy. And you know, you hand him over whatever, 20,000 20, yen, and the guy runs off, and then you just see Kiryu standing there in the alleyway, like, uh-oh, maybe shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and it's 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 more entertaining and worth it to make these decisions because you just got to figure out what the... What's going to happen? Like, it's, the mission's not going to end with me just paying this guy, right? He's going to get his money back. So you want to see him, like, act like an innocent dope in this world and then go like, wait a minute, there's a lesson to be learned here and it involves beating somebody up. You do get the beat him up later, though, right? Oh, of course. That's, uh, that's, good, that's, the, that's the whole game. Every time something bad happens to you, you just punch them and get the get it resolves everything. You just wrap a bicycle skeleton around their skeleton until the problem goes away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's pretty much the ba- that's the main thing why I'm excited to play more of them. It's just to see the wacky life and the scenarios of, of Kazuma Kiryu. The, uh, the open world, I think, for this game, the reason why you don't like most open worlds is because they're a million, a million miles wide mm-hmm. and an inch deep. Whilst with Yakuza, it's like one mile wide and a mile deep, yeah. so everything's better. That's right. You, you not only do the uh, heck of a lot of trekking mind trick where you get really familiar with a small area really quickly just because you, fast traveling is very, very circumstantial, which I like in these kind of games. Uh, but I also mm-hmm. really, really like that uh, there's basically a side mission per square inch of the map. 
you can avoid all of them. Um, but, you know, if you take a turn into an alleyway, there'll be a guy crying and you can talk to that guy. And, you know, he's <laughs> he's a Japanese businessman contemplating suicide after a bad day of work. And you're like, okay, <laughs> we're definitely in Japan, this Japan bar fantasy. Kiryu, fix him. Save his life. Mm-hmm. Kiryu, Kazuma Kiryu, we need you to fix Japan's suicide rates. <laughs> exactly. Fix the systemic struggles of Japan. And you do that by punching something. Somewhere down the line, you will punch something. I, I've heard it said that Yakuza is a Martin Scorsese film that every once in a while is interrupted by a Simpsons episode. <laughs> that maybe That's maybe why I like it so much. Two great flavors that taste great together. Yeah, between that, that's pretty much my my biggest takeaway. If if if, if the Ubisoft sandbox thing had a game where you had a pl- character who actually felt like a character that was fun and... Uh, enjoyable to embody there would be a lot less uh there would be a lot less uproar about doing mindless side missions for completionist sake you know you you you'd be into it you would, these this is a game that's actually really fun to get completionist about it was hard to pull myself away just to finish it mm-hmm. but at the same time i was like i, I do need to like I, if i get lost in this forever and i know that there are seven more games to go i'm never going to get anything done in my life so it's it's time to pull away but at the same time I, more than I expected, I had played, you know, easily a couple of hours of just side content that had nothing to do with anything and had a ball of a time. The only uh, the only other line of conversation that was brought up while I was playing this week was, uh, and I, I, I just realized how much I hate hard mode. Really? Yeah. That's well. Let's let's do an impromptu uh, impromptu tenuous question. What's what's okay, what's ahead. your feelings, Lawrence, on hard mode? Well, there are many ways of increasing difficulty, Lee. Sometimes it is implemented better than others. Mm. For instance, uh, if I'm playing... Say I take a brain injury and decide to play a looter shooter. Uh, If their (laughs) idea of increasing the difficulty is to make every enemy a a bullet sponge so I have to shoot them for five times as long as I normally would have to, Mm -hmm. that's bad. Mm. That's bad bad difficulty. You don't want that. But uh, if you do something... Also, fighting games, they have... They t- sometimes cheat by having the uh, the AI read your inputs so that they counter immediately. Yeah, That's very hard. It's very hard to play against a machine that can predict you. But uh, if you have something, for instance, uh, you know, just a, a puzzle game where the puzzles are difficult, but you already have all the tools that you need in order to solve them, I have no problem with that whatsoever. None at all. I mean, uh, I consider Dante Must Die to be the definitive Devil May Cry gameplay experience yet you haven't played dmc until you played dante must right. die mode why, why do you think that that's this is there this is what certain... this is this particular thing this particular attitude is what's what's been bothering me more than the actual hard modes itself because there are some very specific games devil may cry being one of them where they have a very in-depth combat system yeah yeah very uh very and... fluid surprisingly deep with a lot of a lot mm-hmm. of variety with, with a lot of depth and nuances yeah. and variety absolutely and uh, if you're playing through a game and you're playing it in normal mode, it allows you to make a lot of mistakes and brute force a lot of challenges that you otherwise not not have been able to. Sure. And then you then you play the hard mode version of that game, at which point you try to fall back into bad habits. You know, at which point the game rolls up a newspaper and bops you in the nose and goes, "No, wrong. <laughs> do it properly with the mechanics that we have built for you." And then you do, and you feel like a golden god, and it's great. Sure. Yeah, no, I, like, I, I, I understand that. that. That makes sense. Like like uh, Mirror's Edge, again, to bring back an example from earlier, uh, you can use the guns 
if you want. <laughs> but the moment you pick up the gun, you're doing it wrong, my friend. <laughs> you should be running. You should. You gotta go fast. And uh, if if you're doing a cutthroat hard mode like time trial, it forces you to get good. And when you when you're good and you pull off a difficult challenge like the way that the game expects you to do it, it feels great. And that's why I think there's value in hard modes. But again, like I said, there's well-implemented hard mode, and then there's poorly yeah. implemented hard mode. I think uh, I, I like hard modes in a conceptual level. The way you're describing it, I agree with, right? But I mm-hmm. think I, I hate them on a social level. <laughs> Do you mean in the sense that they cultivate a sense of elitism? I, I think I, yeah, almost that. I guess I just don't, I don't like how the conversation around these games has to revolve around whether you've played it on an intended difficulty or endurance mode, I suppose. You know, mm-hmm. I think that, like, I, I appreciate that these exist. You know, I appreciate that Dante Must Die mode exists because for people who give a shit and really, really want to push the game, I'm glad the developers are given the, that option. But I think the reason why we have a sort of normal and a sort of light heart mode for uh, Devil May Cry, which is whatever you call it, don't don't die mode. <laughs> mm-hmm. Try not to die, but it's okay mode. I, I in my head, th- those exist because the developer has already acknowledged that the balance of their game can be beatable, but it's just not going to be all that fun for the vast majority of players. And they've given that amount of of balance to allow for people to actually enjoy the game with the systems without having to master them. Not that mastering them isn't the intended way to play them when the system is that deep, and certainly it warrants, like, gloat. <laughs> like, if you do it, and your brain gives you the big thumbs up from having impulsively, intuitively broken down that uh, those systems by just sheer trial and error... And your brain gives you the reward after you complete a particularly difficult section. You know, like I, I, I understand you ride high on that on that thrill, and uh, mm. and I understand then why people immediately turn this achievement to the world and say, "Look, look what I did!" <laughs> like it was very hard, and I'm in the select group that can do it. But at the same time, I think like what's bothered me about hard modes is that so much of the conversation from the not even from general people like the bulk of conversation is just like i enjoy games but i think it's from the people who end up selling me on these games are the people who are like that you know like for example i got into yakuza because of that gaming brit whatever whatever his name is did a really good introductory video of it on youtube and talked about the systems at at work and i enjoyed that video and i liked what it had sold me on Yakuza in a way I'd never seen before. Uh, and then, But a lot of the conversation in this video is then circle around of, but if you're doing it on normal mode, you're also not doing it right. And I, 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 I kind of disagree. <laughs> like, because I think, that, I think that ultimately all heart mode is when you, when you boil it down is long form trial and error. You know, I think that most people can beat these things if they just spend a lot of time getting good at the systems. And I appreciate that there's the option to do so. But at the same time, I don't think taking the extra time to get exceptionally good at all the variety that the game has to offer is more important than also just experiencing the the game back to front and mid to high level understanding the system enough to beat it on normal mode, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that that the conversation from these these influential thinkers who sell me ultimately in these games ultimately ends up becoming a purist conversation a lot of the time about how to beat the game. 
in a certain mm-hmm. at, a, at a certain difficulty. I think it's it's almost like it's like trying to recommend people speed run games. You know, like you can mm. you can crunch a game down to its its pure numbers and get every single ounce of perfection out of it. Uh, you know, you could beat Metal Gear Solid in in blindfolded and never getting caught, and you will get the the highest of all highs when you finally pull it off. But is that you know just because the game has the potential to do that, does that mean that's the way to play it? That's more of a way to play it than just playing what the developers intended to be played. I don't know. I don't, I don't think the conversation should be so restrictive that way. And I feel I'm t- I feel tired because. I well in this case the only reason it came to mind in Yakuza Kiwami was because I started playing hard mode because I was sold on the game uh, by a guy who obviously vouched for the hard mode and the more I played it I was like it's just it's just a sort of endurance simulator you know it's just gonna it's mm. gonna take so much more time to enjoy this game and it's not that I don't have that time it's just that I have other things I want to play somewhere down the line and getting really 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 good at Yakuza it's not that it has to benefit me or whatever but it's not going to feel great when I've lost that much time I guess and for some people obviously these things come a lot easier you know and that's good Mm -hmm. and that's why I'm glad hard mode exists in general but it's the conversation around it that that wires me up because I, I am good at games, and I am feeling not good at games because people having conversations about the games telling me I'm not as good as I could be about it. It's getting me down! Well, Lee, one of the greatest lessons you learn when you become an adult, <laughs> or one of the, the greatest understandings that you finally come to grok as you get older, is learning what to give a shit about and what to not give a shit about, and learning whose opinions you should give a shit about and whose opinions you should not give a shit about. And I do not really factor in the gamers with a capital G's <laughs> opinions whenever I am come to enjoy my games. Sure. And uh, neither should you. <laughs> that is the path to enlightenment. That is the path to happiness. I guess. I, I mean, the only reason I bring it up is because these are, these are opinions of people I do respect on some level. You know, like, not so mm-hmm. much the, the mass bleeding crowd. The, mm-hmm. the great unwashed. The great unwashed. Uh, <laughs> more the, the the select few who who can really sell me on things. I think that's what riles me up a bit. It's just that I'm glad I'm getting sold on these games, but then I feel like I'm not living up to the standard that I, that they're putting out there, and that's detracting from my enjoyment of getting to play something cool at a reasonable to high ability and still feeling quite content with that because that's what the developer decided was the at least expected average of being being able to play the game. It's also worth noting that I imagine most of the people who say, you know, for instance, when I say Dante Must Die is the ideal way to play Devil May Cry, I do it with the unspoken assumption that you have played normal first, <laughs> and then hard, and then DMD. I'm not expecting you to just play DMD to begin with. That would be stupid and crazy. Yeah, of course, of course. Also, with the other the the other unspoken assumption, which is if you're not having fun, you stop. Yeah, yeah. I'm not course. making it. You know, nobody's making anybody. Well, <laughs> but I mean, you're I'm never sure going to get good at it if you do that. You got to step it up. Well, I mean, well, it, it ain't a competitive game, so who cares if you're good at it or not? <laughs> Only you. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Of course, I know these things. It's just that that um, it's just the the conversation wears me down a bit, you know. Hmm. You know, I, I, you know, it's just like sex is good, but I don't want to. I don't want to have to picture a triangle button for the climax heat action every time I, yeah, every time I'm in it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, if anything, it would be more like track and field, really. <laughs> That's where David Cage went wrong, in my opinion. 
<laughs> it should be like uh, crossing the microwave hallway in Metal Gear Solid 4. That's what the, the sex quick time event should be like. <laughs> that sounds like it lacks a lot of variety. Mm-hmm. But by the end of it, you should be like, because <laughs> like, you're in physical fucking pain. <laughs> Fuck, this is a lot of work. This isn't worth it. <laughs> I've lost so much of my day. I thought I could skip some of this. My fingers are starting to hurt. <laughs> I'm also so bored. Why is everybody still mm-hmm. talking? Don't fight at these guys. Well, I don't know what's going on over at your house, but it sounds a lot more interesting than what I've got going on. <laughs> I seem to have uh, I seem to have stumbled my way into an orgy. Oh dear. <laughs> uh. Anyway, yeah. But yeah, that's that's about it. That's about it for Yakuza. I'm I'm really looking forward to playing the second one. I don't. I don't really know. I, like maybe each one will have something new that will strike me, you know. But I know that these are pretty much a template of the same kind of games, so I'm not mm-hmm. not really sure what else is going to be coming up. Except I, I do really like the stories, though. They are just the right level of over over the top. Mm. I mean, they all end with you with your shirt off fighting another <laughs> guy with his shirt off at the top of Millennium Tower. But besides that, you know, it's yeah, pretty good. I mean, why 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 mess with the perfect ending? That's true. That's the true climax heat action. Metal Gear Solid 4 also ends with two people with their shirts off fighting at the top of Millennium mm. Tower. Is this how we fix Japanese civilization? What if instead of going to the top of a building so you can throw yourself off because you've been overworked, you just fought a guy from the Yakuza? Wouldn't that be much better? The news. Nice. Yeah. The loop has to begin again. What 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 has spurred on the the We Shop channel music? Oh, I watched a funny bit from. Earlier in the yeah, week. Yeah, I think I, I, I saw that again. I've seen it before. I've, I've seen it again on Twitter this week. It's Nirvana the Band, the show. Super Mario RPG. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog, Donkey Kong 3. <laughs> it's a good tune. Chris USA. Yeah. Ninja Gaiden 1. Ninja Gaiden 2. Ninja Gaiden 3. Chris in USA. God, that was the funniest fucking thing I've seen this <laughs> yeah, time, yeah. I have to say. Harvest Moon. Also Puzzle Pokemon. <laughs> Tojam and Neural and Pandagon Funko Drop. <laughs> of course. Let's, let's move on. All right. Uh, aside from one story, I can't, this was not a, an impactful week in news. In fact, the only two other stories I brought are wild speculation. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, we'll start with wild speculation. All right. Cool. Did you hear uh, Jason Momoa is wildly speculated to be cast as Knuckles in the upcoming Sonic movie? Oh, that wasn't even my wild speculation one. Yes, I did hear that. Yeah, that fits. That tracks. Uh, love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Seems to fit. It's like a meme casting, which has me suspicious, mm. but also, uh, I can see it. They've done well so far, but the true litmus test will be whether or not this movie has the subtitle and knuckles in it. <laughs> All right. Uh, this week... Well, it might be happening right now, unlikely because it's a Sunday, but within the next couple of days, EA will be convening in order to decide the fate of Anthem. Oh. 
good. I say that's wildly speculative because uh, I think that they're going to shit-can it, but I don't really think that that's reaching very far no. to think that they will shit-can it. I don't think I've ever seen a studio lie to me as much as I have been lied to regarding Anthem, <laughs> which is, you know, it's going to be fine, guys. It's going to be great. Here's a roadmap. You know, we're... Per- Here's a roadmap. Uh, okay, it didn't really work out, but, you know, it was unforeseen. No one could have known that this was going to happen. Here's a roadmap. We're going to have it all fixed up. But within the next couple of weeks, uh, they took the roadmap down because there was the skeleton crew that they assigned to it was not enough to make that roadmap. You know, I seem to recall that there was Christmas decorations up from a Christmas update for, like, half That's a year right. after That's Christmas. Right. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Oh my god! I guess this was true. I guess they they really just wanted the free marketing that comes with. Here's a roadmap. A bunch of you buy the game at full price, please. We got to recover some of the cost. Mm. It's it's actually very. I was thinking about this the other day. A lot of um, a lot of video games, even if they don't do exceptionally well uh, on on launch, they uh, they'll 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 probably make most of their money back given a year or two. Via sales and word of mouth and, and, and so on. You can't do that with live service games that fail. A live service game that fails actually fails, like cannot get its money back. Mm-hmm. So the, what they'll do is, you know, first of all, they make a whole bunch of money from pre-orders and collector's editions mm-hmm. because they, they push the pre-order culture, which is bullshit. You should never do that. It's a racket. And they'll make their promises and people will stay in because they've already made the initial, you know, investment in for a penny and for a pound Mm -hmm, some mm -hmm. cost fallacy and then they'll string you along just long enough and then eventually they'll decide it's no longer worth it and then they will cut the cord or they'll pull it off but uh, in this case they're most likely going to cut the cord just a reminder gang listeners games as a service is a fucking scam (laughs) uh if you if you buy your full price game at launch and it's games as a service then uh, there is a very real possibility that at any time they can choose to simply cut the cord and take your game that you purchased from them away from you and you can never play it again. And if you go to great lengths in order to make it playable, they could cease and desist you. So live services, they're no good. You no, know, not great. Don't buy full price live services. You should, I know, free to play is fine, I guess. They're not. They're still susceptible, you know, if they have multiple, microtransactions you can still sink a shit ton of money into them and have it all amount to peanuts in the end because they pulled the cord but hey whatever at least that's something but if you do like blowing your money i mean there's some opposite advice there you can take (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) have you considered the stock market (laughs) that investment's not coming back then i gather Mm -hmm. oh no no probably not (laughs) hey you know maybe when a you know, once lockdown lifts, AMC, you know, that stock's going to rise. Probably, probably yeah. Hopefully, guys. <laughs> uh, speaking of EA, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition has been announced and or details given mm. out. It will include all DLCs except Pinnacle Station because apparently they lost the source code forever on that. Great job, wow. guys. I didn't know that was something that could happen these days. Well, don't be too surprised. Uh, the big question in everyone's mind was, you know, obviously they're going to give the games a bit of a facelift, which is nice, but uh, what are they going to change? Well. Well, uh, first of all, the, the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer isn't there, which is not much of a loss. I played it. It was okay. It was good for what it was. You know, it was, I think, the first instance, the earliest instance I've played of, of loot boxes. Mm. 
So, you know, it could, I'm happy to see it die on that basis alone. Stung, that that uh, approach but, stung for me when uh, the Uncharted Nathan Drake collection came out and they didn't have Uncharted 2's multiplayer, which was like the one online multiplayer game that I ever really got into. And uh, mm. I, I was just really, I wanted to go back just for nostalgia's sake. For one of the biggest complaints about Mass Effect 1 is the fucking ridiculous, stupid loading times in that game. Mm. Uh, you may hear memes about elevators. Lee, you never played, uh, did you play any of the Mass Effect I games? played about five hours of the first one and really, really liked it and I've been meaning to get back to it. I'll definitely get back to it. Maybe this will be the opportunity for you to do so because it's got all the yeah, DLC and everything my, in it. My, my problem changes. was that it was on PC and I found it was the kind of game I would love to play with a controller, but it didn't have uh, controller support back in the day uh which uh was drove me mad <laughs> so uh yeah yeah this the fact that uh one is coming to to ps4 or something that that might be good you might recall uh the loading screens from mass effect one and how they were awful they were the worst you had like 54 second long elevators is the meme <laughs> because you would sit in an elevator in the Normandy. You would in the Normandy. You would get into an elevator. It would take twenty seconds to really slowly go to the bottom of a shaft, <laughs> even though you're in the fucking future and it could go at least three times that speed with no uh-huh. issue. Well, they've dramatically reduced the length of the loading screens in the elevators. Uh, they kept the elevator dialogue where you and your party members might have a quick chat in order to help pass the time. They've kept those in, so you can keep enjoying that, but you can skip them if you want. Cool. Uh, the Mako. From Mass Effect 1, if you'll recall that, the little lunar rover that you go around planets uh-huh. on, that's being given a major overhaul, although I don't know what exactly that entails. That kind of sounds more concerning than good. It, I have very mixed feelings about the Mako, which is that I liked roving around on these massive kind of empty planets mm-hmm. with like lots of different biomes and things because it made the universe feel really big, yeah. which is what you want in the space well, game. That's what I liked about it. Mass Effect 1 did a good job of making the universe feel really big, which is good because it's big. Uh, 2 and 3 sort of dialed back in that, and I think that that was to their detriment, although they are, broadly speaking, better games in the sure, traditional yeah. sense. Uh, but uh, you rest assured by the time I'd gotten my Platinum Trophy for Mass Effect 1, I was fucking sick of the Mako because it was a pain <laughs> in the fucking ass. Yeah, well, yeah, I wouldn't be getting a trophy, so I mean, I'm sure I could just... I, I liked its uh, bouncy, ridiculous uh, vehicle physics. I'd, I'd, I'd be mm-hmm. remiss to, to lose that for, I don't know, the Andromeda take on the whole thing. They uh, No talk about the ending. The, the, I don't know, are they going to redo the ending? Because there's a fourth one coming out, allegedly, at some point in the future uh, that's probably going to have to dance its way around the ending, the Mass Effect 3. I was like, hey, are you going to make it changes to the Mass Effect 3 ending? And they're like, oh, well, they already They already yeah. added DLC answers, didn't they? Like, they, they edited in some new choices somewhere around the time of the ridiculous backlash. So what they did was, originally it was a choice between uh, two shit sandwiches of different flavor bread. <laughs> and what they added in was, uh, they took one of those shit sandwiches, they copied and pasted it and then they scraped out all the shit that was in them with like a knife so it was just the bread and you go well i mean of those three i would much rather eat that one but uh i'm still not exactly keen Mm. on it to be perfectly Mm -hmm. honest so uh we'll have to see about that i will say this there has been one controversy which is apparently overruled every other one regarding the changes the only one i've heard (laughs) yeah all right mass effect 2 let's talk about it there's a character called miranda lawson Mm. One of your uh, party members. Uh, I didn't. I don't care much for her. She was not my choice for the romantic subplot. Uh, Talizora, all the way. That's where I'm at. 
I'm a man of taste. All the like, listen. All the humans in this game are boring. The like, Ashley is boring. Sorry, Caden is boring. Ashley is boring and also racist. Jacob is boring and Miranda is boring. So I almost always go for the aliens, and I am never disappointed by this choice. Mm-hmm. So uh, I didn't get a lot of the Miranda baloney. But uh, this is her companion quest, so I did get this part. There's a part in that game where uh, you're doing her companion quest, and they're trying to put across that she's like a sexy, dangerous Bond girl type. Sure. So she wears like the skin type spacesuit, uh, the skin tight spacesuit uh, that every character wears. Now I'm going to have to keep in your flub just to explain why you said it's so pronounced. <laughs> yeah. I was really into it. Uh, everyone <laughs> wears something like that, uh, but hers is particularly pronounced because she's like a space spy. Uh-huh. Uh, and in her companion quest, uh, she's describing to you uh, about family troubles that she's had and how her sister has been kidnapped by some kind of crime lord because and, and her dad is a bad dad and she's on the run and she's trying to rescue her. And while she's doing this, the camera is lingering on her rear <laughs> to the exclusion of everything else. Her shapely hindquarters. And I have to say, uh, I don't really have a dog in this fight because I don't really care. But when I first saw that, I thought it was very yeah, funny. I didn't think it was sexy. Very, very but funny. But it, was, it wasn't sexy, but it was funny. And they're taking it out. And apparently, they're going to replace it with more sensible camera angles. And uh, apparently, there are a great deal of very strange people out there who did, in fact, find this very sexy. Who are Outrage. very angry that they're of taking this they out. Are. The gamers with the capital G. Personally, I think it will do a lot better for the people who actually care to not frame one of their main female characters from the ass. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I'm also about like trying to keep it as close to the original as, as possible. So the fact that they're editing out this and shying away from the controversy of having released a game in the 21st century where you frame the conversation from the ass of the speaking character is... Uh, is mindlessly shocking of them. So, I don't know. I, I, I kind of prefer it was in there. I know it's the not The context of the situation is what makes it very strange, which is she's talking about some serious shit that's gone down. <laughs> she's opening herself up to you emotionally. And the camera is just like, oh. oh. I, you see, I love that. That's, I mean, that's I love awful. it too. I think it's very I, funny. I think it's charming in a kind of, what the fuck are you doing, guys? definitely not charming, kind of way. but it's, it's absolutely... It's 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 very much video game designers. Uh, very mm. honest of them to show their hands so fucking clear. Mm-hmm. If you could if you could do that for every character, that'd be great, guys. <laughs> All- yeah, at least balance the checks and have an ass cam on everybody. <laughs> I want to see a nice Turian ass. That's what I want to see. What does Garrus's ass yeah, exactly. look like? They always wear the spacesuits that are kind of the Turians wear the bulky yeah, ones. Yeah. So you can't really see what their rear looks like. You know, I want to see what a uh, what does Le- oh you don't know about- I was gonna say what does Legion's arse look like but you haven't met no, Legion yet. I know Garrus, cool. Garrus, whatever his name is, know him. Uh, and yeah, what the fuck is their weird turtle ass look like? I bet whatever it is, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to uh, mindless speculation corner, uh, which we're right. quote unquote calling the news. Gummy uh, <laughs> hole. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, a-, a rumblings come down that uh, a recent rating of. Japanese Ace Attorney games are coming to the West. Oh, yes, the uh, the the Great Ace Attorney or a Great Ace Attorney Detective or something like that. Either way, that's the English title they've given to both one and two of Ace Attorney Japan Edition. 
uh, or, or mm-hmm. feudal Japan edition or whatever, wherever they're set. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, apparently they're coming to uh, PC consoles, Switch, uh, in a in a in a double pack. And here we were, we were saying such a thing probably not likely to happen because how are they going to handle the whole wasn't this always set in America thing? Uh, I think the solution I suggested was just say that Phoenix is like a a fifth generation immigrant or something mm. like his great great pan- grandparents came to America and that that that's it. He's re- he's Japanese American. There you go. Problem sounds, solved. Yeah, Easy. Sounds great. Uh, it's mo- very likely that uh, we won't be getting to it anytime soon because we're, we're busy. Mm. But uh, if anybody who listens to this is so into Ace Attorney, they they'll they'll be jumping on this. Let us know if they explain it away with his uh, fifth. Fifth generation uh, immigration status. That'd be wonderful. Uh, but also, this I, I like. I like this news. This is the kind of game I just assumed the West was never getting because it's just mm. so set in feudal Japan. It's messing with an established um, franchise in a way that only makes sense to Japanese players. Uh, I like that uh, these games somehow can now make the jump, and I hope this is a, a sign that Japan is loosening its grip on its weird back culture and uh, and bringing stuff over because I want them uh, feudal Japan Yakuza games, and uh, you could, you could give them to me. I I'd appreciate those <laughs> feudal Japan Yakuza games. Is that a real thing? Oh yeah, there's two of them. There's uh, there's one uh, definitely set in the Edo period, and there was another one set later, but also feudal Japan, uh, where. Instead of Kazuma Kiryu is cast as a uh, like a, a folk hero of the day, and all the characters of the Yakuza series are recast as characters are you know famous people of the time, and it looks amazing. <laughs> and there's two of them. There was one that came out really quite recently on PS4, and I want them. I want them very badly. <laughs> Ooh, neat! I didn't know about this. That's cool. This is obviously a totally different company. Sega and Capcom are not the same place. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, if, if Capcom sent a president, and obviously we're all going to be there at some point or another to buy into these Japanese Ace Attorney games. Like, Yakuza, you've, you've, you've taken so many risks already and you've proven more successful than ever. It's, it's time. Let's get, uh, let's get those, uh, those, uh, feudal Japan games over. Let's, let's see them. Also, if you uh, Capcom, if you're also listening, you want to bring over that uh, second Miles Miles Edgeworth game, that'd be good too. Yeah, that's the one I I'm thinking of right now, which is bring me Miles Edgeworth Investigations Two, please. Mm-hmm. It's it's the one immediately after the one that I just finished, so the brainworms determined that I must play that one first. <laughs> please help me. I'm sure there's a bunch of other Japanese import games that are deemed too Japanese to ever be brought across. Uh, May this mother free. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, Jesus. That, that's it's not. It's is it even? It's like there's no there's no reason mother three qualifies qualifies qualifies. No, that's just a, that's just Nintendo being Nintendo. Yeah, there's no like this is too Japanese for Western audience vibe to it. I believe it's set mostly in a sort of mixed world Americana kind of vibe. So, uh, any other news, Lords? Oh, how 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 could we forget? CD Projekt Red has been hit with a ransomware yeah, attack. Well, this is this is the last one I had on my list. The the only news this week that I thought big enough and unfortunate enough to drag us out of a, our uh, what what did we make? Did we get at least two weeks of no CDPR news before we got dragged mm, kicking and like screaming that. into the mire? Mm-hmm. Ring the bell. <laughs> so CDPR, our boys, has been hacked by a cyber criminal or group. 
of cyber criminals. Mm, presumably one with a mohawk and sunglasses, a pink <laughs> mohawk and sunglasses. Uh, I saw the Hard Times article about this, where uh, they interviewed, they, they quote-unquote interviewed a person who said, you know, it, it sounds like a real shame. I can't, because they're threatening to release uh, unfinished code for like Witcher 3 and Gwent yeah. and things like that. Yeah, I can't imagine the amount of damage it would do to see uh, an unreleased product like that released prematurely. I think it would really damage the brand name, you know? Ooh, going for the Man. Whilst I feel bad for anyone whose private information might be included within the information that has been uh, locked, and I feel bad for the, the grind floor troops of CDPR, uh, I struggle to feel any kind of sympathy for anyone higher than that, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Maybe it's a maybe it's a false flag on the inside to give them more time <laughs> because of the Polish government. <laughs> yeah, but look, apparently, if so, right? So the, the 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 group were asking for for a ransom of something like a million dollars or something like that, and uh, their their going price was they started a bidding online, unless demands were met from CDPR uh, to mm-hmm. release all the stolen assets, including source source uh, code for most of their games released at this point, uh, as well mm-hmm. as their internal memos and so on, which, of course, nobody really wants to get their hands on as somebody badmouths the Polish government in, out loud. That's going to look bad, especially mm-hmm. uh, if that leaks. But uh, apparently they had a buy-now price of $7 million and somebody forked over the cash. What they did? They actually capitulated? Yeah, oh, not, not CDPR. No, they never give in to ransoms. Oh. Some anonymous stranger has, the, uh, has got the... All the stuff they've purchased it. So the uh, as far as we know, the uh, the group has gotten away with the with the sale, and uh, mm. and uh, the offer is no longer extended to CDPR anymore. It's too late. It's probably been sold to some Chinese company who are making a knockoff right now. That's when I want to introduce our newest uh, stock increase on uh, CDPR. The highest investor is now your personal friends and mine, <laughs> the people's Republic of China. I'm kidding this time. I'm actually kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's right. Well, you know they could use why, it though. Why they could would Tencent? <laughs> why would Tencent need to buy CDPR now when they already have access to all the source code for their games? There'd be no point. That's rampant speculation, Lawrence. Mm-hmm. For legal reasons, that's a joke. Allegedly, <laughs> <It's> very alleged. <laughs> allegedly. Uh, anyway, yeah. So uh, CDPR didn't give in to the demands. They just said, "Hell be damned, we're not." paying for this shit so uh that is the correct thing that's to do. probably right yeah uh but a real shame this has happened to the workers of cdpr <laughs> but also quite uh, quite amusing if any illicit uh memos got out about back back mm. bad muffing the uh the polish government after all this nightmare has yet to blow over uh so you know maybe maybe paying the money was probably the smart way to go in case this ends up in a, a costly court case on top of the course case they have <laughs> I don't think any of that would be admissible in court anyway, because it was illegally acquired. Yeah, yeah, that's probably right. (sighs) Now that's cyberpunk. Super Mario RPG. Sonic the Hedgehog, Donkey Kong 3 Adventures of Lolo 1 and 2 King's Knight, Dig Dug, True Man Fu Harvest Moon 
Like puzzle Pokemon. Pujan and Earl in Pentagon from Gojon. Castlevania, Fado, Fury, Ninja, Judge, and Marugun. Aquizer, Blazing Lasers, Bases, Loaded, Mega Turrican. Cybernator, Rolling Thunder, Dynastic Hero. Bubble Ball, Jibble Trouble, Double Dragon, F-Zero. F-Zero X. I'm Donkey Kong Jr. Map! Did you get it, one? Get into my mouth. <laughs>